Welcome to our mindfulness podcast. Each week or so, we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, It's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply. Let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world. Waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most, in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in Gasho and bow. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. All right, this completes our standing meditation. Please return to your seats and we'll prepare for our second seated meditation. Again, uh, posture's the same. Uh, try to have a nice straight back, shoulders relaxed, um, eyes half open, half closed, uh, breathing down into your stomach using your diaphragm. Um, place your hands uh, in front of your lower abdomen and we will begin our second seated meditation at the sound of the bell.
please join me in God's show. Namandats, 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 namandats. We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters, and each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character, and it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U, and they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlined character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation uh, rather than silent meditation. We're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge, then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it. Ko, ku, sho, tenin, to, u, chin, myo, ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing section. And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, and then you come into the station and slow down. 
And then we do Namo Amidabutsu as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Nangon Cho Sengam
please join me in Gasho. Namandats, 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 Namandats. I would like to start with a quote by Benjamin Franklin, of all people. Quote, there are three things that are extremely hard. Steel, a diamond, and to know oneself. Unquote. So today's Dharma message is called Finding Gratitude When Life is Difficult. So how do we begin to find gratitude? How do we even begin to find out how to know oneself? Perhaps we can begin with the question. The only thing I know in life is blank and you fill in the blank. Let me begin with the story of a Zen temple with a rather famous rock garden in Kyoto. It's a very simple rock garden consisting of just plain white rocks and rake patterns between the rocks. But in a back corner that is easily missed by all who visit is a small stone fountain with these carved words. All I know in life is to be contented, to be grateful. Now, if we reflect on those words, we just might realize how profound and amazing they are. Because it is the essence of Buddhism, especially Jodo Shinshu. In our everyday secular life, we value and pursue the learning of stuff to enhance our ego, to advance our careers, and even our status. Even in our spiritual pursuits, we think we know a lot from reading and listening to lectures on the Eightfold Path, the Six Paramitas, the Five Precepts, the Doctrines of Impermanence, Interdependency, and emptiness, and we are sometimes motivated to read the thoughts of Buddhist philosophers like Nargajana's concept of emptiness or Vasubandhu's concept of mind only. But back to the words on the stone fountain. The Zen monk who wrote those words is telling us that he really doesn't know a heck of a lot. In fact, he really knows nothing of life, of history, of science, of math, of philosophy, psychology, or metaphysics. He only knows how to be contented, to be grateful, and perhaps that is the most important thing to know in life. To truly realize gratitude is to unlock the ultimate source to happiness, to be able to live in harmony with all beings feeling and knowing contentment for what you have and not feeling resentment for what you do not have. As Shin Buddhists, we learn to treasure the simple values of humility, kindness, gratitude. But ironically, those values cannot be learned from books. They can only be learned by examples from life experiences. And now I would like to tell you about an experience I had just a few weeks ago. Alice and I were invited by some friends 
to dinner. Now they happen to live in a waterfront home in Huntington Harbor, which is located in Sunset Beach off the Pacific Coast Highway in Southern California. I've often gazed at those waterfront homes. How I wished I could have lived there, be wealthy enough to afford to live there and to enjoy a waterfront view. So I was very grateful to be invited to their place. And when we arrived, we were warmly greeted and taken to the back patio, which fronts the water, of course. And at the uh, docks, there were many, many yachts. And I, uh, I asked our hosts how many of those are his or which one is his. And he jokingly said, all of them. Nevertheless, we sat down to a wonderful plant-based vegan dinner, great conversation, and before we knew it, it was almost midnight. We left, and I was thinking on the way home how great it would be to live there when Alice said to me, you should be grateful for what you have. After all, you are a Buddhist, and you have read many, many stories about contentment, and gratitude. Maybe you should go back to them. And so upon arriving home the very next day, I went into my notes and I found a Zen story called Wishful Thinking that I would like to share with you. There once lived a stonecutter who was unhappy with his insignificant life. Passing by a rich merchant's home one day, he was awed by its grandeur and the stream of visitors going in. He must be a powerful man. How I wish I could be him, he thought. Astonishingly, he found himself transformed into the merchant. Surrounded though he was by unimaginable riches, he also found himself the object of hate and envy by those less privileged than him. Just then, an important official passed carried by attendants in a grand procession. Oh, how powerful that gent looks. I wish I could be him. And his wish came true, and he found himself riding high. All around, people watched him go past with expressions of fear and hate. The richly embroidered chair suddenly felt sticky thanks to the sun beating down. Looking skywards, he thought, how powerfully the sun shines. I wish, and no sooner did the thought bloom in his mind than he became the sun, burning fiercely from the sky and cursed by peasants and farm laborers. And then an enormous dark cloud blocked the sun. No prizes for guessing the man's thoughts, he became the cloud, which burst forth with rain, causing floods and misery. Shortly he felt an irresistible force pushing him, and it was the wind. How powerful it was. No sooner did he wish, than he became the gusty wind, wrecking havoc with rooftops, uprooting tree trunks, spreading fear and panic. Sometime later, he found himself coming up against an object that was immovable, no matter how forcefully he blew. It was a towering rock. Oh, to be that rock! thought he, and indeed he became the rock, hard and invincible. After a while, he heard the pounding of a hammer on chisel. 
He was being changed. But how? Who could possibly challenge his power? Looking down, he saw a small figure at the bottom. And it was a stone cutter. So that simple saying from the little stone fountain, way in the back and dark area of a Zen temple rock garden. Or that simple little Zen story of wishful thinking. Perhaps they might be a reminder or a metaphor for how difficult it is to realize and embrace authentic gratitude. For to me, the most profound and beautiful of all Buddhist lessons is to know contentment. To embrace gratitude is to know the most important source for happiness in your life. May profound gratitude, great kindness, and true humility transform your life. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This program is copyright 2021 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved.